The Emmanuel Classe rumors have resurfaced for the Cubs and Indians. Are they finally going to get a deal done? That plus much more here on the Setup Man podcast. Hey, what's going on, Setup Nation? Kyle Stanley here, excited to talk about Emmanuel Classe. Excited that there was a week of things finally going on for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, we're going to get to that, but before we do, make sure that you've already subscribed, make sure that you're commenting, make sure that you are engaging with our content, because guess what? That means that I get to engage back with you, and I actually respond to just about every single YouTube comment, unless you're being rude or kind of belligerent. <laughs> I'm just probably not going to respond to you, but if you're actually posting good comments, I'm going to respond. I, I love responding. I love talking Cubs content, so make sure you're doing that. Plus, on the podcast side, if you leave a review, I can't tell you how much that helps us. Um, I Honestly, like I don't know how the algorithm works with the podcasting stuff. I'm not really an expert in that, but I do know that when we get more reviews, we start to see more people engaging. And that's just the whole goal of this. I'm a real estate investor here in California. I'm a Cubs fan. I'm just doing this for fun. And for that reason, I'd love to see more and more people checking out the content. So make sure that you do that. Let's get to it right now. A quick recap of this last week, because this was actually <laughs> something happened, right? Like we finally had stuff happen here with the Chicago Cubs. First of all, if you missed it, I'm going to catch you up right now. Shota Imanaga has signed with the Chicago Cubs, a ridiculously, stupidly low and cost-efficient contract for Jed Hoyer and crew. This brings in a lefty pitcher that allows the Cubs to be able to replace and probably improve upon Marcus Stroman, who was starting to see his season go down the, the pooper last year in the second half. So really exciting. Plus, it seems like he's a character. Seems like a lot of these guys from uh, Japan are characters. Say uh, uh, Otani, you saw Jung Hoo Lee coming in and talking about his dog. There's there's a lot of characters from the Japanese players, and so this one in Imanaga being no different. Uh, also, the Cubs signed, well, I should say traded for Michael Bush and Yancy Almonte, Jackson Ferris, and Zaire Hope to very early on in their prospect, early on in the minors in their careers. They are going over to the Dodgers where two MLB-ready players completely changing the scope of what is possible for the Cubs here in 2024. I originally thought Michael Bush was going to be an easy slot at third base. Now hearing a lot of people saying that he's actually a much better player over at first base and less of a liability. So maybe that is the route. Not sure. We're not talking about that here right now, but that was a really Really great deal for the Cubs. Plus, Yancy Almonte, although he had a really bad season last year, uh, I shouldn't say bad. It was really just kind of a below average season. Uh, back in 2022, an incredible season at a 102 ERA. So there is definitely some hope that he's going to bring some life back to the bullpen. And then as of just a couple days ago, international signings. The Cubs got Baseball America's number three prospect, Fernando Cruz. He's a shortstop and... He's actually the cousin of Starlin Castro. Pretty cool, which is exactly how Starlin Castro was signed as well. Cruz got a $4 million uh, signing bonus, which is just life-changing. So cool to see for a 17-year-old. And according to Jake um, Misner, Meisner, I, I'm sorry if I'm saying your name incorrect, from Sportsnet, the signing of Yonder Maria is actually a, kind of a below the the rug kind of signing for the Cubs as well. He's 17. He's already throwing in the mid 90s. Has touched 96. Man, you talk about 17 year old throwing like that. The, a couple of signings for the Cubs that 
of course, we're not going to see the fruition of all this until maybe six at best four or five years from now, but seems like two very exciting players. And as you're seeing, as you're watching on YouTube here, seeing some of the highlights, uh, definitely some talent within a 17 year old body for both of these guys. Very exciting to see. We'll see where it turns out, but, uh, all of this is by the way, happening in the last week along with CubsCon, And I have to talk about CubsCon just for a second before we get to class a, because this was my first CubsCon. went with my wife, went with my daughter. And I can tell you, I would absolutely go again. For those of you that haven't been, I would encourage you to go. I actually was, I met a few people that were there for the first time. And it was all the things that I was feeling they were feeling as well. It was honestly though, extremely overwhelming at the beginning. If you are not great with crowds, uh, I, I would encourage you to go with friends so that you're in your comfort zone because this was much, a much, much bigger crowd than I expected. I don't know why, you know, I have seen the video at CubsCon, and maybe it's tougher to tell when you're looking at Marquis video, but I always thought it was going to be like a thousand, maybe 2000 people. I would be surprised if there was anywhere less than about seven or 8,000 that were at this event, which was really overwhelming considering what I was expecting. Um, but some of the key takeaways from both a fan's perspective, from seeing where this team is going, but also a fan's perspective, just being there at CubsCon. Uh, here's my takeaway. So first of all, everyone and their mom, everyone and their mom wants belly back. And that includes Dansby Swanson. Dansby actually said, first thing we need to do before we get to spring training is re-sign Cody Bellinger. The, the crowd erupted, right? And we were talking, uh, Ryan Dempster mentioned it in his sit down on Friday night. Jed talked about it. Carter talked about it. Boog talked about when he interviewed the guys, all the players were talking about the fans were chanting belly, belly and Cody, Cody as often as possible. And you could feel the, the pressure being put on Jed and, and Carter and they address it, you know, to their, to their, uh, uh, credit, I would say it, it was vague. Like you would expect, you know, they can't say much more than just, we think that he's a great guy and he fit in well in Chicago and enjoyed his time. We can't, they, they're not going to be guys that are saying like, Hey, you know, yeah, we're deep in talks. They're just too close to the vest. But what I will say about the talk that Jed and Carter did give, which by the way, if you missed any of this, I did post both the talks and the fans questions to our YouTube page. So make sure you go check that out. Those, those immediately became our most popular videos. Uh, as soon as they were posted, I think the, uh, Craig council one as well that we posted with his talk with Boog and the fans questions has like 6,500, uh, views as of like three days into being posted, which is far and away our most popular YouTube video. So that was pretty exciting to see. Uh, but go check those out on the YouTube page. And, you know, Jed, going back to Jed's talk and Carter's talk, it's encouraging for sure to see that Jed talked about us being in the fourth or the fifth inning of the off season. Um, you never know, right? Like you, you go into an off season and you wonder what is the plan? And last year it seemed to be extremely transparent because Tom Ricketts came out and said, the checkbook is open. Let's go get one of the four shortstops. Let's go get some guys to fill in holes. And there was there, you felt like you were kind of ahead of the curve, right? You kind of could feel some of the moves coming where this off season, it's like, you've had some head scratchers. Like, wow, are we really going to like uh, put all of our 
eggs into the prospects basket. And then they sign in Managa. They trade for Michael Bush and Yancy Almonte. And you're like, okay, now this team went from like feeling like a 78 win team to back to maybe 82, 83 wins. I'm feeling it. And now to hear that we're in the fourth or the fifth inning of the off season, that's incredibly encouraging because I can see now, okay, Jed does want this to be a team that walking out of spring training is head and shoulders above the rest of the NL central and ready to take this league and this division by the balls. I mean, that's, that's really what the Cubs have been wanting, right? And that's what Cubs fans set up nation. That's what you've been wanting. You've been wanting us to take this entire division by the balls because no one is really stepping up. The Reds are doing a little bit. The Cardinals kind of look like they're trying, but at the same time, it looks like they're just making moves to make moves. Um, I, I, I feel like hearing that was just affirmation that, okay, I can see this being a 90 win team going out of spring training, which to me would win this division at this point, unless there's some major moves that are made. Jed also talked about the off season. I was extremely happy to hear him say this. He said, MLB execs need to step up. They need to make deadlines just like there's a trade deadline and it, he's totally right. I mean, you know, when it comes to deadlines, you know, I'm a business owner. Whenever I give a deadline, I'm always giving a deadline three days before I actually need the thing done because you know that someone's going to wait until the last spot, the last time to actually submit the first draft of something. And then you got to go back and make changes. Well, it's the same thing with the trade deadline, right? I mean, you see all these moves happen, all the trade deadline. Shota Imanaga, he was signed literally like 12 hours before the end of his deadline by the Cubs. So had that deadline been two weeks later, three weeks later, this is exactly what Jed said. Had it been two or three weeks later, it probably, he probably would have waited until then to actually sign. Deadlines are useful. They're helpful when it comes to making acquisitions. And it's really unfair to the fans. It's unfair to the executives at each one of these teams, it's unfair to the coaches. It's unfair to the players. It's especially unfair to the players who are trying to get signed because, and I don't necessarily blame the front office. I don't think that Jed and Carter are kicking their feet up because they're like, yeah, we still got, you know, three weeks until spring training. Why do we need to sign players now? No, I don't think that they're doing that, but I do think that the agents who are speaking into the players ears saying, wait, 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 wait until Bellinger signs, wait until Chapman signs, wait until, uh, Montgomery signs, then we'll know what your market is as they're being told, you know, these are still typically 25 to 30 year old guys that are being given advice by adults that have been there and done that. And now they're like, man, I don't even know where I'm going to live. It's January 17th. I have no idea where I'm going to live, dude. Like, how do I even get ready for the season? Let alone, like, I got to go find an apartment. I got to go buy a house. What am I going to do? I love that Jed spoke out about that. Another thing that he talked about, and I'm I'm getting a little bit too deep in this. We'll speed through this a little bit more because I want to get to Emmanuel Classe. Um, they were indeed in talks on Shohei Otani. Nothing about nothing mentioned about Yamamoto. So that was interesting to hear. Ryan Dempster had the line of the week. It was hilarious. He said, "Well, the good news is that you didn't sign Shohei Otani, so that means that you have at least five hundred million dollars for other players, right, Jed?" <laughs> thought that was awesome. Uh, he also talked about, hey, listen, you know, Cubs fans, first of all, don't listen to everything that you see on the chats on Twitter. By the way, if you want to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at SetupManPod. But if you are listening to all those things, you're listening to the noise, and some of that is just created out of midair. 
And he basically, without saying it, said, like, we've not wanted Christopher Morrell to go anywhere except for staying in this lineup. Uh, even though there's been trade rumors of him being out there, he said that's why we've been playing him at first base during in the Dominican leagues this winter is because we want him, which by the way, I didn't, I never actually saw him in the lineup as a first baseman. It seemed like it was only third base and shortstop. Anyway, he said, we, we don't want to trade him. We want him to find a spot in the lineup. And Carter Hawkins said it as well. He said, the best thing that Christopher Morrell can do and that Michael Bush can do is step up and be serviceable at one of these positions so that their bat will play, so that their bat will be in the lineup every single day. So that's the biggest trouble right now is j there's just not a position that they look at and say he's serviceable there. Uh, so with that being said, going into trades as well, Carter and Jed also talked about, you know, 99 out of 100 trades are shot down on the first phone call. So this Michael Bush and Yancy Almonte trade, you know, got so deep that in he, you know, Jed even talked about it a lot of times these trades will fall apart at the very last second and this one didn't. And so it was really great to see this. Whereas on the free agent side, it's really just who is ready to be able to take the terms that the team has given. Uh, there's a lot less back and forth. There's a lot less things that can fall through whereas trades are like that. So with that being said, that makes me believe that Jed and Carter are trying to get more trades done, which is what's taking up a lot of their time. So I expect even this Emmanuel Classe potential trade that we're going to talk about here in a second is probably one that is one of those hundred or maybe five of those hundred that at least gets this far in the conversation. And so at the end of the day, really what I gathered from the Jed and Carter talk is that we have to practice patience in order to get a deal, not just a guy right? They're trying to get deals, not just guys. And anyone can throw money out there, but the Cubs and the front office, which really is what Jed finds a lot of pride on, is that they really work themselves into deals, not just going and throwing money at everyone, just like the Steve Cohen's of the world did with the Mets last year. And you see how that's worked out for them. Uh, in the Craig Council talk really quickly, uh, one of the, my biggest takeaways, the dude's got a personality. Whenever you look at the the Brewers games and watch him from back in his playing days, he always seemed very stoic. He was actually pretty funny. He was really working well with the crowd. He won over the fans really, really quickly. I think a lot of fans were already excited about him, but the personality that shined, it was like, this, this is a dude. This is pretty cool. And he also admitted, hey, we need some help in the Milwaukee series because he knows he's just going to get destroyed in those Milwaukee series. So let's go help him out. Cubs fans. Um, also in that Craig council talk, a lot of fans really showed indirect displeasure for David Ross. And I, and I mean that because none of them actually said, we hate what David Ross did, or we hate this about David Ross. How are you gonna be different? But they asked specifically about tactics that David Ross used in his day-to-day -day that they weren't pleased with. For example, a lot of fans were asking about bunting and what's Craig's council, what is Craig Council's viewpoint on bunting? And I think there was even an applause when he said, like, you know, the only guy that should have bunting in his game on our team is PCA. So there was that. And he also uh, talked about one of the fans actually talked about, Hey, I hate when pitchers are taken out early. And then another pitcher comes in and blows the game. And another fan asked about lineup decisions. And Craig council once again said the best players are going to get the most at bats. And the fans erupted again, which that was a huge displeasure for a lot of fans last year with Cody Bellinger batting fourth and being left on deck 
in major situations in the games instead of batting second, like a lot of teams' best players are batting. Uh, batting Jamer Candelario down at the six and seven spot, even when his bat, his bat was hot. Uh, batting Trey Mancini in number five. It, it, it was so much displeasure, so many things about the lineups that fans were very vocal about. And it was interesting to see that in front of Craig Council, they were also vocal about it. All right, I talked enough about that. It, I wanted to talk a little bit more about CubsCon, but I want to get to the Emmanuel Classe trade. But before I do, I will say one last thing about CubsCon, the autograph lines. They're kind of a mess. If you ever go to CubsCon, I would not get in the lines on Saturday. I would wait till Sunday. Things die down majorly on Sunday. Um, and I was able to, on Sunday, get about 10 autographs. In fact, eight of those I'm going to be doing giveaways here on this channel. So make sure that you are subscribed on our YouTube channel, have the notifications turned on. All you can do is hit that bell, and you're going to continue to see me talk about giveaways with these autographs that I got. Guys like, hey, guess what? Cade Horton, Matt Shaw, Miguel Montero. Those were just a few. So we've got a few that are out there. I'm keeping Pat Hughes for myself. Sorry, I'm selfish. I got that one. That one was pretty cool for me. So I'm keeping that one. All right, let's get to the Emmanuel Classe rumors. The Cubs have been in trade rumors with the Guardians. I have a tough time saying Guardians, by the way. I'm so used to saying Indians. But the Guardians, for how many weeks now? Four or five weeks? First, it was Shane Bieber. Then suddenly it was like, oh, it's Shane Bieber plus Josh Naylor. And then it was Shane Bieber plus Josh Naylor plus Emmanuel Classe. And, and you never know how much of this is actually true. In fact, all the stuff that we're talking about right now could potentially not be true as well. But so many different platforms, articles are saying that this trade is basically back and alive again. Um it 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 worries me on a few different levels, but let's start with some of the upside. And I, and I feel good about this as long as the Cubs don't have to give away a top 50 guy or a guy like a Christopher Morel. But the upside on Class A, he throws over 100 miles an hour. He's got a nasty slider. And he's been in 70 games, appeared in 70 games each of the last three seasons. So he's healthy. He's got great stuff. And in 2022, he had an amazing season. I'm going to go ahead and show my screen here just so you guys can see exactly what we're looking at on the details of his last couple seasons. In 2022, I mean, you talk about one of the best seasons, not just that year, but in really the last decade for a closer, a 136 ERA. He closed out 42 of his 46 games. Great conversion rate right there, about 90%. And 72 innings, had about a strikeout, a little bit over a strikeout per inning, and doesn't walk a lot of guys. Seven to one, almost eight to one strikeout to walk ratio. That's the kind of stuff that you want to see. Great season in 2021 as well, although of the 71 appearances, he only had 24 saves because he wasn't the defined closer going into the season. He had just been uh, moved over from the Rangers the year before, really a couple years before, but he didn't play at all in 2020. And then in 2023, we had this major regression, major, major regression, almost a two and a half times blow up of his ERA it went from 136 to 322. His strikeouts went down. He had instead of one per inning, a little bit under one per inning, 72 and two thirds innings, 64 strikeouts. And walks went up slightly, not enough to really worry about it. But you know, when that walk strikeout to walk ratio goes from like an eight to one to like a really four to one. That's a pretty major regression. So 
the, you know, again, it's not that he walked a whole lot of people more, you know, 16 versus 10 in the season before. It's just that he struck out a, a, a decent amount less. And, you know, you look at baseball savant, you look at the numbers, the, you know, the, the velocity was still good. Everything. I'm not a, I'm not a nerd when it comes to the numbers. I'm just going to be completely honest. I'm not going to even try to tell you that I know how to look at baseball savant and say, oh yeah, this was his problem. But, you know, the only thing I could see in 2023 versus 2022 is that he, he threw his slider less and his cutter more. You just wonder about that, right? You wonder about a guy who in his season, his age 24 season had a down year after having three great seasons. You know, he came up and he was 21 years old. I said 24, I meant the 25 age season. He was 21 years old when he came up. And so when you talk about a 21 year old, regressing an age 25 season that worries me a little bit that makes me wonder was there some level of fatigue in the last two years when he almost had 80 appearances 80 appearances 77 to be exact is a ton especially for a young arm like that you just wonder is there fatigue in there again the velocity didn't seem to be down but uh, you know i i think i think that's something to at least be cognizant of about um hey, the, the big, the big upside as well, though, outside of that, of outside of having great stuff and being a reliable uh, back end of the bullpen guy for the last two years, last three years, really, is that he's under control until he's 30 years old, and that's in 2028. Okay, so he's under control for at least the next four seasons, which is phenomenal. That's great. You know, you give up a, a top 100 guy and you get a guy who's basically just a couple years ahead of him in terms of team control. I like that. I like that a lot. I just don't like the fact that he had 12 blown saves in 2023. That doesn't excite me when we're trying to improve the back end of the bullpen. You're talking about Albert. You're basically indirectly talking about how can we get a better version of Albert Alzali? Albert Alzali was legit last year, guys. 267 ERA. I think he only, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I want to say blue three saves, right? And he had a stretch of like 20 in a row that he saved. So is that an improvement or is it potentially just, hey, Class A is going to be part of the bullpen and whoever has the hot hand is going to be the closer? It feels like that's been the Cubs' motive. I don't know how that's going to go with Craig Council. But David Ross, right, it wasn't about having a closer. He didn't really have guys that were defined closers because that's not what Jed really gave him his ammo, uh, aside from Craig Kimbrell for a couple of years. He just hasn't really had that at his disposal. So does Craig Council bring in the mindset, the old school mindset of, hey, we have to have a defined closer? Or is he going to bring in maybe the newer school mindset of, I'm going to pitch my best pitcher in the late innings when the best lineup is being presented if it's top of the lineup in the eighth inning that's when our quote-unquote closer is coming in i really feel like if you're going to have your best pitcher your best bullpen guy and you're going to name him your closer he's got to throw more than one strikeout per inning this guy class a was under one strikeout per inning this last year he was barely over one strikeout per inning the year before you need more swing and miss that's basically what albert alzali was that's why so many of us feel like, you know what, Alzali was good, but in a small sample size, is that going to continue? Because he just doesn't strike out a ton of guys for a back-end bullpen guy. Now, is that Class A? Is that, does that mean that Class A comes in and maybe he's more of an eighth-inning guy? And who knows? You know, Maybe Palencia turns into an amazing 
talent at the major league level and starts getting more swing and miss. Maybe Luke Little comes in and just starts hammering it home. So my big takeaway really with this is that he's had one good season of being a dominant closer. He might be better as an eighth inning guy, maybe a seventh inning guy, or maybe he finds his stride and gets back to 2022 numbers uh, here in 2024. But what I do know is that the Guardians need an outfielder. They need a starting pitcher. And the Cubs have both of those in excess, right? Outfielders, we got them. Starting pitchers, okay, they're not top-line starting pitchers, but we got them. I would be absolutely fine if you see a Hayden Wisniewski or a Alexander Canario go to the Guardians for an Emmanuel Classe. No doubt. That, that feels like a good trade, good for both sides. They've got a crowded outfield, so you know you can see Alexander Canario going and not feeling like you're missing a whole lot, especially if Cody Bellinger is re-signed. Wisniewski really doesn't have a role on this team right now at the moment. So again, you just, you know, if he goes off and he blows up this next year, great. But I don't know that that would happen with the Cubs, given how crowded of a staff and how crowded of a middle relief bullpen that they have as well. But if they want anything more than that, if they want Christopher Morrell, if they want a top 50 guy, I'm very hesitant about this based on the the major, major regression in this last year and the fact that a 25-year-old who seemed like he was on the uptick just suddenly has this turnaround year. That makes me nervous. And so for me, that's kind of where I stand on the whole class a deal. What do you think? If you have to give up a Christopher Morrell, if you have to give up a top 50 guy, are you doing this deal? Comment below, comment on the YouTube uh, description or the YouTube comments below. If not, if you're not okay with that, who would you be okay with? Canario, Wisniewski, who else is out there? Would you give up maybe an Assad? That feels, especially after the year that he had, that even feels a little bit risky. Let me know in the comments. And one quick thing, Cody Bellinger update. There really is no update. I feel like the Cubs uh, fans have this thing going right now, especially after Cubs Con, where they're like confident that Cody Bellinger is going to be a Cub again, just because of how often it came up. That's that. Uh, that's not proof. Proof is not in that pudding, Cubs fans. I'm sorry. Uh, th the longer this gets dragged out, really, to me, the more confusing this gets. Some people are saying, oh, that's good for the Cubs. Some people are saying, oh, that's not so good for the Cubs. I don't really know what it points to. I just know it's confusing. I just know that at the end of the day, it seems very strange that Cody Bellinger has not made a deal, especially last year. He signed during the winter meetings. This year, he's still not signed, and we're in the middle of January. And last year... He was on a prove-it contract this year. There's still a lot for him to prove. So I'm not sure where this is going, but I do know that it feels like Bellinger needs to sign soon. Um, and my hope is it happens in the next couple of weeks, and my hope is that it's with the Cubs. But my biggest fear is that Jed, again, he prides himself on those discount deals. Is he going to hold out for a cost-efficient deal for Cody Bellinger? Meanwhile, the Jays or the Giants come in and they say, yeah, we'll overpay him. We're ready to go. But as we talked about, there's also a lot of risks that come with Cody Bellinger. So am I saying that Jed needs to fork out the $250 million for 12 years? Absolutely not. I think that's dumb. I don't think that he should do that. I don't think he should touch that. But what do you think, Cubs fans? Setup Nation, comment below. Let me know what you think about the Bellinger situation. Let me know what you think about Class A. I want to hear from you. I want to interact. Let's go ahead and engage here on social media and on YouTube. And make sure you're subscribed. Guys, I'm going to go put my arm on ice. We'll see you next time.